Hello, everybody. Good morning. It's great to have you with us, whether you're here on site or joining us online. My name is Alex, and I'm one of the ministers here at ABC. And it's a real privilege to be speaking to you all today as we come to the end of this series that we have been looking at over the past five weeks or so. This series that's called This One Thing. This one thing that changes everything. This one thing that is the path to peace, healing and freedom in our lives. And this one thing is forgiveness. And last week I started to unpack what the process of forgiveness can look like in our lives, starting with ourselves. And I talked about how God offers us forgiveness, even for the things that we just can't forgive ourselves for, and how actually accepting God's forgiveness is really that way that we can offload that baggage of guilt and shame and blame that we can carry around in our lives. And I, I talked last week about Lynn's amazing painting that she painted during one of our services that really captures so well what this whole series is about. And if you're here on site, I really recommend coming and looking at that painting up close and just spending time reflecting on it. And today I'm going to be talking about how we can forgive others and actually how accepting God's forgiveness is a really critical part of this process. So I wonder what your experience is like of forgiving others. Do you consider yourself a forgiving person? Or are you someone who bears a grudge easily and finds it difficult to forgive? Well, the reality is that forgiving is not easy, is it? Especially when we've been deeply hurt or wronged by somebody. And especially when that person may not even be sorry or remorseful, there's never been justice for what's happened to us. A few weeks ago, in fact, Rob was talking about this idea in a bit more depth. And he, he said how when we are wronged or when we're hurt, it may feel very natural, like our instinct is to want to retaliate, to cause harm to that other person, to take revenge. But in these situations, when we may be harmed or wronged, we always have a choice to take, don't we? We can choose to enter into that cycle of revenge. We can allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. Or we can choose that path to forgiveness. The path that is often much harder to take, takes more courage and strength, but it is the path to healing and peace. And actually, Rob opened his talk by highlighting how often that theme of revenge is found in popular stories and films. And as with most of these stories, there is often a central character, isn't there, that we might know as a villain or the baddie uh, in a story. And although they might do awful things, there's often a backstory to them, isn't there? They didn't often always start out so evil. So I wonder, and ask you a question today, if you have a favorite villain or baddie, maybe it's from a book or a film, maybe it's a series or an animation. I'm seeing some smiles around the room, so hopefully people have something or character coming to mind. And I wonder if this villain that you can think of has done terrible things, awful things, maybe even unforgivable things. But I wonder too if there's any part of them or their story that you can empathize with. 
I asked the staff team this week uh, who their favourite villain or baddie uh, is, and I, the answers are up as pictures on the screens. I, wasn't, I didn't actually know all of them, and I'm not going to go through them now. But for those of you who know the staff team, maybe if you're in your own time, you can try and guess which staff member chose which villain there. <laughs> And although most of these are very well-known villains, aren't they? They all have interesting backstories. They have these stories that explain how they ended up being the way they are, how they ended up being so evil. And my favorite villain character I'm going to share with you this morning, I think has a really fascinating, but also a really sad backstory. And that villain is the character known as Darth Vader from Star Wars, the Star Wars franchise uh, and the films. For anyone here who isn't a Star Wars fan, I appreciate not everyone is, I'll just explain briefly that Darth Vader is sort of the archetypal evil villain. I mean, he looks like it, doesn't he? He is known as sort of Lord of the Dark Side. He's out to crush all that is good in the universe. And he's kind of pure evil, really, or so it seems. However, Darth Vader did not start out life this way. He wasn't even called Darth Vader. And instead, in the film storyline, we're introduced to this young, innocent boy that's called Anakin Skywalker. And Anakin is this young, gifted boy. He has good character traits. And it may be a bit rebellious, but who isn't? And he grows up, and actually he trains to become a Jedi. And a Jedi, as you might know, are on the good side in the story. They're those who fight evil. They oppose the dark side. However, for young Anakin, there's some significant things that happen to him that really shape his story. And really, the main event that affects him deeply is experiencing the tragic loss of his mother when he's just a teenager. His mother is sadly kidnapped and killed, and this leaves a significant mark on him. It leaves him deeply wounded and full of anger and pain. And the way that he chooses to respond to this is by taking revenge. And he goes on a sort of killing spree, kills not only the people responsible for his mother's death, but he kills all of their families, including children and people that are innocent. And once that seed of revenge and bitterness takes root in his heart, it just grows and grows, and it consumes him. And later experiences in his life of loss or betrayal, they only compound the issue. And so that fear, that anger, and that bitterness within him ends up drawing him into the dark side altogether. And so that's how that young boy, Anakin Skywalker, is transformed, and he becomes the character we know as Darth Vader. And that's how the villain is born. And although he's known, really, as this sort of figure of evil, a monster even, there are odd moments, even later in the story, where we're reminded of his humanity. It's hard, actually, when you know the backstory, not to see those moments more clearly. We can see that there is still the capacity for good within him, but there's also this immense struggle between good and evil, a bit like the wrestling that I spoke of last week for those of you who are with us. And what I think that this kind of story really can remind us is how easily revenge transforms someone from being the victim to becoming the perpetrator. And this is actually how that cycle just goes on and on. I'm sure that we all know, though, don't we, when we are hurt or we're wronged, 
Revenge might seem like the more obvious or even the instinctive thing to do. It may seem like it will ease our pain, but actually it will only make our pain worse because it binds us to our suffering. And as the victim, it binds us to the perpetrator and we're never gonna be free of them. I love this quote, I think it's probably slightly edited, I think originally attributed to Nelson Mandela, but it says this, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. So then what about the alternative? What about forgiveness as this whole series is about? Well, as I've mentioned, this may often be the much harder and more courageous path to take, but it is one that we can always choose no matter what the situation is. And forgiveness, we've been talking about this in past weeks, it's not easy, is it? It's often incredibly costly, and I think that is for a good reason. I've recently read a book that I found really encouraging on this issue. There's some amazing wisdom in it, and I'm gonna talk about that a bit this morning. Appropriately, it is called The Book of Forgiving, and it's written by a man called Desmond Tutu, along with his daughter. And if anyone has experience of this topic of forgiveness, it's Desmond Tutu. You probably uh, may have heard of him or know who he is. He's an Anglican priest who grew up in South Africa. Uh, he was a former Archbishop of Cape Town and he's well, he was well known in his lifetime as an avid human rights activist. Sadly, uh, he passed away last year, but during his 90 years on earth, he witnessed incredible atrocities not just in his own country, where there were violent struggles under apartheid, but in other parts of the world, he traveled around where there had been wars and genocides and unbelievable acts of brutality and hatred. Desmond Tutu had seen firsthand the impact of revenge, of violence and unforgiveness. And as a result, he spent most of his life calling for non-violent forms of reconciliation. And his approach I find really fascinating because it is all about embracing the path to forgiveness. It's about breaking the cycles of revenge. And in his book, he outlines what he calls a fourfold path to forgiveness, a path that he believes quite boldly will bring healing to ourselves and the world. And I personally found this, this path, this approach really helpful. And I'm just gonna share that with you all this morning. The four steps are as follows. Step one, he says, is telling the story, facing reality. Step two is not easy, it's naming the hurt because we can't let go of feelings that we don't own or even acknowledge. And actually, I love how Desmond Tutu talks about how emotions and feelings like anger and hatred are really valid in this process. They show that we care deeply, that we are deeply human, aren't we? but he talks about working through those kind of emotions, coming out the other side as a better person. Step three then, what this series is all about, is granting forgiveness. And he says that this is not just a one-off thing, maybe something we have to do over and over, or something we have to work through. Especially, this is hard, isn't it? Especially hard if the other person hasn't said sorry, shown remorse, there hasn't been justice. But he says he believes it is still possible. And then the final step, which I think is really important, is renewing or releasing the relationship. And he's very clear here that it's not about restoring a damaged or abusive relationship. It's about renewing a relationship, finding a way forward, a new path. 
And if that is not possible, he recognises there are situations where the best thing to do is to release that relationship altogether. That may just, might just be the safest thing. And actually, as you might imagine from having written a whole book on it, Desmond Tutu is really clear that this process can take a lot of time, energy, and it can be incredibly painful. And that's because forgiveness is about letting go, isn't it? Forgiveness is about releasing the pain of your past. And it's also about releasing the perpetrator from holding power over you. And uh, he also believes that forgiveness really is the only way for our wounds to be healed. Whereas revenge only makes them worse. You know, part of the reason that someone like Desmond Tutu can speak with such wisdom about this issue is not just from his personal experiences, but as I mentioned, during his lifetime, he heard and he listened to countless stories of both victims and perpetrators who had been involved in horrendous crimes. Some of these crimes, even he admits, are seemingly unforgivable. But he still held hope in the power of forgiveness and its ability to heal. And as a result, he often said that he refused to label anyone as evil or as a monster, despite what their actions may uh, suggest. He actually refused to dehumanize anyone. And this is because he sees a recognition of our shared humanity as being that route to forgiveness. It's something that we need to do in that process. And so a lot of his work that he did was about establishing that shared humanity between victims and perpetrators, which is not an easy task, is it? Most famously, and some of you will know this, this played out in South Africa in the 1990s, where Desmond Tutu chaired what was called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And this was a huge undertaking, which embraced quite a radical approach known as restorative justice, which is um, the, not just a purely punishment-based approach to dealing with things that had gone on. And during this commission, both victims and perpetrators of, who had been involved in many acts of violence and brutality that had devastated the country in previous decades were invited to embark on that fourfold path that I was talking about. The victims were invited to come and tell their stories and to name their hurts. And the perpetrators got the opportunity to be honest and truthful to make confessions even about the things that they had done and the crimes they'd committed. As you can imagine, on whatever side you're on, this is not an easy process to engage with, is it? And actually, as a result, a lot of the, the, the perpetrators were granted amnesty as a result. The slate wiped clean, so to speak. And whilst there are different views, there are varying views on this kind of approach to justice, at the heart of it was this desire for an understanding of that common shared humanity. An opportunity for victims and perpetrators alike to understand each other and to find that path to freedom and forgiveness for themselves. Recognizing that every human being has a backstory, don't they? Even those who commit the most awful of crimes, they rarely start out life that way. And in his book, actually, Desmond Tutu talks about how during this commission, uh, he saw time and time again, people choosing the path of forgiveness, even though, interestingly, this was not required of them or imposed upon them at all in the process, which I think is quite a healthy approach. 
But his belief from having witnessed all of this was that many cycles of violence and revenge in people's lives were broken and also in the country as a whole. And you know, the reason that somebody like Desmond Tutu was so, is so passionate about helping people to find forgiveness and healing, well, it comes really from his faith. It comes from the fact that he is a Christian, he is a follower of Jesus. And in Jesus, we find the perfect, but also most astonishing example of forgiveness and love. Not only did Jesus teach about this topic many times during his life, embracing radical ideas like forgiving our enemies or praying for those who persecute us and do us harm, but he actually demonstrated this in his own life. Not just in the way that he treated others, but actually in his darkest and most testing moment. When Jesus hung on a cross to die, after being falsely accused, mocked, and beaten, and then nailed to the cross. And there, in his most agonizing moment, when Jesus would have felt most betrayed and most abandoned, hated by humanity even, you know, he would have had all the reasons in the world, wouldn't he, to condemn those responsible for putting him up on the cross. After all, Jesus was not just a man, but he was God who was the son of God. But yet, whilst he's there in that most awful of moments, something I cannot even imagine what it would have felt like, he doesn't condemn. Instead, he says something utterly incredible. He kind of cries out to God, his father, and says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. There Jesus is on the cross. He's dying in agony and he's watching these roman soldiers the very people responsible for putting him there who nailed him who beat him and nailed him to this cross they were there squabbling over jesus's clothes and belongings as if he was just an inhumane dehumanized object and yet even though these people had acted in such brutal and hateful ways towards jesus he still sees their humanity he still finds it in himself to look upon them with love, which I think is just incredible. And I believe it's because he knows their backstories. You know, he sees the reasons that people end up behaving the way that they do. And that's because Jesus knows the backstory to humanity, doesn't he? He knows how evil and corruption have entered into this world and how easily they can enter into the human heart. And last week I spoke about how Jesus took upon himself all that is wrong and messed up in the world. On the cross, he dealt not only with the things that you or I might do wrong in our lives, but he dealt with all that is evil, all the hatred, all the sin in the world. And he did this by taking on death itself, which is where all sin leads to. And that's what we've been talking about that a bit in this series. And because Jesus has paid such a price God freely offers us forgiveness. He refuses to condemn us for the things that we do if we believe in what Jesus has done. You know, I don't know if you've ever had an experience of somebody forgiving you, even though you knew you didn't deserve it, or even though you weren't sorry or even asked for forgiveness. But the impact of such an act of forgiveness 
can be so transforming in our lives, can't it? So if we know that God has forgiven us, even though we've done nothing to deserve his forgiveness, maybe we've not even asked for it, then this should and must change how we approach others and the world around us. Not only does this enable us to choose that path of forgiveness, rather than choosing the cycle of revenge, but actually there's a bit more of an implication here. It's almost a bit more of a serious sort of implication because it requires us to respond that way. And we find an amazing explanation of this in Jesus's words to his disciples and his followers, his friends. So he's saying this to us today, isn't he? There's an occasion where his disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. And his response is what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. And in it is that one little line that says this, and it's incredibly powerful. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We may have said that many times, but it's actually not an easy line to say, is it? And Jesus actually goes on to explain this in some pretty stark terms by saying this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? It doesn't really sound much like that free gift of grace that I was talking about last week. And it doesn't mean that we have to earn God's forgiveness either. But I do think it means that there is a discord here. If we accept God's forgiveness for ourselves, but we don't let it into our hearts, we don't let it transform us, then our hearts are gonna remain hardened. They're gonna be unforgiving towards others. And actually there's a little word in that sentence in the prayer in the translation we have that is really important here. And that word is as. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This actually means in proportion to. So in this way, if we refuse to forgive others, we're actually rejecting God's forgiveness. We're essentially asking God not to forgive us because instead of choosing forgiveness, we're choosing to judge others. And we're asking God to judge us in that same way by our very own standards. And I don't know about all of you, but I, <laughs> that's a very dangerous thing if, if, I, if God judges me by the standards I use on others. I'm not sure that's something that we would actually want. Because I wonder how, who of us can say that we've only ever been a victim in life that we are blameless and that we have never done anything wrong or anything to harm another? Have we never been a perpetrator too? You know, I don't think this is just getting at about, this, uh, about the act of forgiveness here, because as we've talked about, that is not an easy thing to do. It can take time. It can be a journey and a process. But what I think it's getting at is that it's about the orientation and the condition of our hearts. It's about having that intention and that desire to forgive, even though we may have been deeply hurt or wounded. It's about being willing to recognize our shared humanity with others, even those that commit the most awful crimes and even those who have harmed us most deeply. You know, this doesn't mean that we are condoning, is it, or justifying their actions, but it does mean having an openness in our heart to forgive, a desire to let go. You know, Desmond Tutu says this amazing quote that's, that goes, our ability to forgive 
reminds us that we are not made for evil, but for goodness. And I love that. So wherever you are today in your journey of life or faith, I hope that there is encouragement for you. I hope this series has been really helpful, even though it's such a challenging topic, isn't it? Maybe you are someone carrying around deep wounds today. Maybe you've been hurt or wronged. And rightfully, you will feel angry and upset. You may feel like you want to retaliate or take revenge. And it's right to acknowledge when we are hurt, isn't it? It's right to, it's right to acknowledge when we may be angry. But actually, I hope, that the hope, I hope for you today, you realize that you don't need to carry around the baggage of resentment and bitterness. That you don't need to stay in the prison of unforgiveness, chained to your past hurts. Because God has made a way for us each to be free and to have life. And he's done that through the costly path of forgiveness. He's done that through what Jesus has done on the cross. And so if we truly accept that God has forgiven us, if we believe in what Jesus has done, that he has wiped the slate clean, how can we not extend that same forgiveness to others? And maybe if we're able to do so, or at least have that intention and desire in our hearts, Maybe like that bold ambition of Desmond Tutu, not only our lives will be better and will be healed, but maybe the world will be a better place for it. Let's pray together. Loving God, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for that your heart for us is love and compassion. It may not make sense to us, Lord, that you can look upon us even when we have done terrible things, even though there are terrible things going on in the world, but you still look upon us offering forgiveness, offering your love, wanting to be reconciled with your creation, with your people. Lord, I just want to pray for anyone today struggling with this area of forgiveness. Maybe there are deep wounds. Maybe there are things that have been done in our lives that, that seem unforgivable, Lord. But we know that through your strength, we can take that part of forgiveness. It's not about that person or what has been done that is wrong, but it's about that part of freedom for ourselves, about releasing the past, the pain, the perpetrator, and finding that freedom in life in you. And Jesus, we're so thankful for what you have done for each and every one of us. And may we know that in our hearts today. Amen.